Welcome to Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a pint. Tonight's episode is brought to you by our official sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Craft Beer Cellar, the family of retail craft beer stores with 23 locations in 11 states around the country. New locations open in all the time. Uh, they are focused on education, hospitality, amazing beer. Visit Craft Beer Cellars, E-L-L-A-R, to find a location near you. And keep listening all month for an opportunity to win uh, free beer from Craft Beer Cellar. We actually gave away our first uh, free gift card for beer last week. And that lucky winner will be getting his card in the mail uh, this week. So listen on. Listen on, exactly. And you can win that free beer by joining our conversation via Twitter. Follow at Pub Theology and use hashtag PTLive. And on Facebook, you can comment at Facebook.com slash pub theology so comment anytime during the show or if you're listening later throughout the week to our podcast you can do that and you can find us now on iTunes SoundCloud Stitcher you name it so you can always uh, catch us later if you don't catch us Tuesdays 9 p.m. Eastern Time and catch us on Tuesdays because we say fun stuff before the show and you can watch Tuesdays where the fun it. happens you can watch the fun stuff that's a matter of opinion I think <laughs> <laughs> and once again, she just starts like bashing us from the. You are on our side. <laughs> you are on our side. All right. Tonight we discuss uh, a daily or weekly practice that nourishes us. So, what are some of the things that we do that, uh, yeah, help us grow as a person or just help us feel connected and grounded? We also discuss whether God controls everything, some things, nothing and what God knows or doesn't know, and if we have any energy after that, uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Sounds good. So what are we drinking tonight, friends? Um, I went back to one of my Kansas City favorites from um, Boulevard Brewery, the High Test Tank 7. Ooh. Tank 7 Farmhouse Ale, 8.5%. And it's got a got a nice uh, it's a nice Belgian style number and a little little tropical and warming warming my palate up to spring, um, even though it's still like you know bitterly chilly over here. But I figure we'll get there. So uh, Tank Seven, it's my brew for the night. Tank nice. Seven, well done. What do you have, Tina? Um, you know what? I went back to the Rhiannon, the uh, my pagan wine, because <laughs> it was good. So I got another bottle. Boom. Yep. Excellent. Well, I am. Uh, I, I didn't bring any Alabama beer north, so I've got some more uh, more local uh, brew from here in the Holland and Saugatuck area, doing my usual Starburst wheat. Nice. It's a wheat beer with a little bit of hop. I like, I like wheat beers. How was Alabama? Did we, did we, I forget what we talked about last week in terms of your Alabama trip. I know you told us a story about uh, the buying beer fiasco, but but how was the rest of the trip? Like this was like family vacation, right? It was. It was great. We had seventy about seventy five degrees and sunshine every day except one when it was a little cloudy and seventies. So it was uh it was fantastic and we were right by the beach and it was just this white sand beaches and there was a pool right where we were staying, so Kids got plenty of outdoor time, and we did a day trip to a nearby island, and uh, it was all good. Excellent. So what are we good. Doing Once we figured out how to get our beer, it was all good, I should say. <laughs> well, there you go. You heard that story last week, so tune in to episode 13 if you want to hear about the challenges of getting beer in a state you don't live in. Got to get your priorities. Not in Alabama. Let's just say getting beer in Alabama. Okay, yeah, uh, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, so our opening question is, share a daily or weekly practice that nourishes you. Could be something very basic, could be something profound. What do you got? Um, meditation. I am a big fan of the meditation, and I profess I'm not at the place of daily yet, but, or rather I should say consistent for the same amount of time. And so 
at least every day I get in about five minutes to 20 minutes. But, yeah, meditation is big for me. Um, uh, yoga as well, um, the occasional yoga. And at this point, um, I have weight, weight lifting and exercise serves as a spiritual practice for me too because it's really you can't you can't you can't lift properly if you're not fully focused centered and mindful I, I i tried once being distracted and injured myself i was i was i was deadlifting and a very attractive woman walked behind me and i saw her reflection in the mirror in front of me and I got distracted and I wasn't centered and grounded and next thing I know um, I hurt myself so it's the practice to staying centered Excellent. I'm sorry Ogan <laughs> you can just you see can that whole scene unfolding <laughs> sorry what about you Brian about me well um I'm still distracted by trying to find a family photo to tweet. So I'll just be honest here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you should. Right. You, should you should go. Okay. Um, so my usually in the mornings, um, you guys may think I'm a little weirder than you do already, but um, I have these. They're called sacred path cards, but they're no Native American cards. Way. What'd you say? No way that's possible. <laughs> Oh, it's possible. Trust me. Um, but anyhow, I, I, I pull a card, and it's just kind of like um, gives me something to meditate on, to think about for the day. Um, and then I I do yoga or Pilates or my exercise, because like, like you, Ogan, that's the only time I can really shut my mind down fully is um, when I engage in exercise. And, um, and then I have this video that I do. Um, it's uh, by Layla Martin, who is the bomb. I love her. But it's it's a self love yoga video, and um, I guess on the days where emotionally I got a lot of stuff going on, I do those. So I don't know. That's that's kind of like my engaging with um, so the spirit. Yeah, practice. tell me more about these cards. Like, what kind of things? Will these well, will it like a little like a sentence or two or a paragraph? Well, or it has, it's um, they have. They have like a theme on them, and then it just kind of talks to you. Like the one is wisdom and gratitude. So like if I pull the wisdom and gratitude card, I know, um, like I've probably I'm I just need to to think about the things that I'm grateful for. Or like a lot of times I get caught in my own head. Um, so like if I pull unlimited vision, um, I know that I have to th I have to trust that there's more to what's going on in my life than I can see in front of me. Um, storyteller, I pull a lot because I'm a storyteller, and you know my life is my biggest story, so I just need to trust that, you know, I don't know. I, I've been in, a, I haven't had my feet on the ground for a while, so it just kind of gives me something to focus on during the day. To there's a, a card that like is kind of like lighten up, um, but then there's stories in it like Native American stories about, um, you know, just like their spiritual practices and what they used to do, and it just I don't know it helps ground me. That's cool. I'm I'm always I'm 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 always a little skeptical about the the cards people and cards, but why? Uh, I don't I don't know. I um I think honestly it might be it might be some hold over brainwashing from I mean hold over uh, <laughs> other other than traditional belief about in 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 the Christian vein of things. Um, or by my very nature, I'm I'm. I'm a I'm a healthy skeptic. I like to call myself an optimi an optimistic skeptic. So, um, and I think interestingly enough, the my experience of the kind of cards you're sharing about is kind of like like almost like horoscopes. They're so I think vague enough that that mm -hmm. anyone you pull could be applied to you that day. Yeah. Well, and that's what. Um like it's not like telling the future or anything. It's not like a, oh, no, no. I don't, you know, I don't but, yeah. Okay, so what's the difference between me pulling a card and looking at that um, and reading about it than me opening the Bible and picking out a Bible verse? That's right. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, Brian. What's different? What's the difference, Brian? Well, I think a lot of it uh, is sort of the intention you bring to it and being open to hearing words that might have insights into your life and where you are at the moment and. Um, 
you know, so I think either of those could be a value. It kind of uh, is the intention you bring to it. I mean, the content matters too, but... So cut her some slack. No more making fun of her cards. I am cutting slack. You aren't. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was you, Ogan. <laughs> really? That was me? That was. So I hear you. I hear you, um, Tina. I, I think uh, for me, uh, well, certainly coffee is necessary for you know, <laughs> uh, practice to at least get me to a, a baseline of, of zero. Uh, sometimes and naps. Takes, naps with spiritual practice. Yeah, sometimes it takes a couple cups to get to that point. Um, but, you know, for me, finding a, finding a quiet spot to uh, read something uh, meaningful, um, whether it's a selection from the Bible or something from the Book of Awakening or something along those lines, sort of a daily reading kind of a thing. Um, I those love are things that, that give me... Oh, that, that Book of Awakening is awesome. It is good stuff. It's good stuff. And you know he's down the road from me here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah, and he was just in Boston area um, just a couple weeks ago is my understanding. Nice. Nice. So, you know, I so that's good, and otherwise uh, getting outside a bit uh, is worthwhile. Um I find it I find it fascinating that of the three of us, two of us being ministers, none of us mentioned prayer. Oh, I was going to uh, get to that. I was going to get to that. He says after the fact. <laughs> no, actually, I, I just tweeted out a response to the question, and I, I included silence in that, uh, which I by which I also mean sort of a prayerful, sort of contemplative, uh, almost meditation, uh, but. Well, I, I've always, I'm with you, Brian, on the getting out in nature, too. Like, I really, um, I, re I need to get out in the silence. I, I need to have silence every day at some point. Um, but I love being outside. But to me, the difference between prayer and meditation is prayer is like talking to God and meditation is like listening. So I think you kind of need both. Definitely. Inter interesting, the talking to God. So, so. When you say talking to God, say a little bit more about that. Is God listening? Is God responding? When you say talking to God, who's who's the God exactly you're talking to? Um, spirit. Like I, I think that yeah. And I, I think I don't, I don't picture God as this old man with a white beard sitting on a cloud, you know, you know, this. punching prayer requests out like emails. Um, but. <laughs> But I do, I I do think that God listens to us. I, I think Spirit does listen to us. Um, maybe we're more kind of just like talking to ourselves because obviously God knows our intentions um, and our wants and all that other stuff. But I don't know why. What do you, What do you think about prayer, Rogan? Well, well, you obviously have an opinion. I, easy. Wow. Might have touched the sore spot with that prayer question. Oh my goodness! It was just following that after the card question. But go ahead. No, I was I was asking because because I know how where you stand. Your your like you just said your your feelings about God not as this you know theistic being up in the sky. So when you said you were praying to God, I I was asking for clarification when you said that. What where was the where was the direction? of the prayer going. That's all. I wasn't judging. I was just okay. asking for clarification. For me, it's more... Stand connecting. down. Stand down. <laughs> for me, it's it's more of like a connecting to spirit kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, it's got, there's got to be a flow, you know. But. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I, I would say also, um, well, for Lent, I gave up uh, listening to sports radio, which... Uh, and you lived? is an addiction more than a healthy spiritual practice so that was a good experience and in lieu of that I started listening to um, news in the morning and uh, I, I like to listen to Democracy Now! airs at 8 a.m. Eastern it's a one-hour show and I like to catch that maybe BBC uh, News Hour and I, I kinda like having those at the start of my day as well because I feel like it tunes me into uh, issues that are happening around the world um, particularly issues of injustice and um, so forth, and so it helps me kind of be tuned into 
places that are hurting and and alerts me to is there something I'm called to speak out on or grow an awareness or share it an awareness of or even step in uh, with some act to some certain situation and so um, that may not feel like a quote-unquote spiritual practice but I feel like it's a it's a practice that is a healthy one for me as a global human being no I I, I like it. it 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 it's like what what are you gonna hold in consciousness during your day that's you right know, like you know you may not or I may not be in a position to do anything about a disaster that happened halfway around the world, but if we truly believe that there that that there's a measure of connectivity on an energetic or spiritual level between us all, holding good thoughts and good intentions, I think um, energetically helps the situation, and it also shifts how we perceive the situation. So rather than oh poor us pity those people, we're we're holding the view of them in a much different way. And should we have an opportunity to then actually make a choice about doing something about it, then we are choosing from a lack of a better term, a higher state of consciousness or and and we will make different choices. So no, I think I think it's a I think it's a valuable process. Many many times I come across folk in, you know, Unity and other new thought circles who say they don't listen to the news because they don't want that negativity. Right. Their consciousness, and I'm like, no, listen to the news. That's that's gonna tell you, you know, where to let your consciousness and your energetic prayer, you know, where. Yeah, to, where I, hear you. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Ogan, but I also think um, you have to you have to be at a certain place in your own mind and emotions to be able to do that because I know a lot of people that listen to the news and just get depressed. Because it, it makes them feel hopeless because there's so much bad going on or, you know, so much negative stuff touted on the news or, you know, <laughs> not to bring up the elections again, but or so much skewed information that they're just like, I'm just being fed this junk. Why should I bother watching it? You know, you can get a, you can get a grasp on what's going on in the world in, in numerous, numerous different ways now instead of, you know, just being fed what one channel wants you to see. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. That's why you watch about 20 minutes of headline news and then you turn your TV off because that's, <laughs> that's kind of really all you need to watch. Or if you even want the quicker version, if you go to Huff, Huffington Post, free plug for them, they do a they do a morning news brief, morning roundup, things you need to know, um, and it, they cover like seven or eight headlines in like in two minutes, and there you go. That's those are the. I things like it. You know. That's uh, <laughs> my kind of news. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but this ties into what you were asking me earlier about about my views on prayer, which is that you know in unity, our our understanding of prayer is is less about a back and forth communication or or dialogue, but more of an affirmation of our divinity in any situation. So if we're in a situation where we're feeling, I don't know, you know, poor, lack, depressed, sad, all those things, prayer is more of an affirmation that that we are more than that. That regardless of, you know, what our you know, bottom line on our bank account might say, that the truth of us is an energy of an abundance and there are really no lack of ideas out there. So when we shift our consciousness to the woe is me, I am poor and suffering, to I'm an abundant creative being, then it kind of puts you more in a mindset to be more active towards your circumstances. So prayer becomes more of an affirmation of a deeper truth than, uh, than anything else. So you don't think there's necessarily any connection to God or spirit in that in, in your prayers, there's, you're just kind of your own cheerleader? Just well, changing your own the direction of your own mind. It's reminding you of the connection. It's reminding you of that you are always connected. That you are always connected because you are one with God, and in God there is no lack. In God there is no, you know, any any in to paint with a very broad brush. You know the negative things that we assign to ourselves in our situations. So. And and what it does is alter how we show up. Same thing with Brian and you know right. watching the headlines and 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 holding them in a different consciousness. It's it, it alters how we show up. 
you know, the phrase I like to use is this is, you know, we get to, this is how we are going to show up as God in this situation, hmm. you know, which is, you know, back to that question of like, when does, why does God let things happen? My answer is, you know, God's never letting things happen. It's, it's a question of how do we show up as God in the situation? Oh, I think you're jumping ahead there. What is God <laughs> letting happen? Oh, all right. Well, that's well that's done. Right. Well, let's jump anyways. There you that go. might have been timely. That might have been timely. So minutes next... in, it might be time to get off question one. <laughs> we were on some good stuff, though, so I like that. I like that. But So the uh, second question is, uh, does God control everything or some things, a few things, nothing? And how do you work uh, free will into the scenario, uh, and especially if you hold a view of God being uh, ultimately sovereign or in control over everything. And we were talking news and world events, so I think it's related a bit. Well, I don't, I don't view God as puppet master. Um, if, if that's kind of along the lines of what you're thinking, I don't. Excuse me. I'm just asking the question. Oh. I haven't said what I'm thinking. <laughs> Maybe you should. Maybe you should. <laughs> I will. No, keep going. <laughs> so, so for me, um, I I like to say that God isn't the God isn't the activator, but God is the action within. So, God's not. And I'm going to get the letters about this. God is not the creator. God is the activity of creation within a thing or within the universe. God's not a lover of us. God is the love that encompasses all. So, so does God control everything? N no, because that's for me. That's that's a puppet master idea. But God is in the midst of everything, and everything is in the midst of God. So, the, so the next part about free will is then, therefore, of course, we we do have free will. There's choices we have to make, and if you really want to get geeky and go off on a quantum uh, digression, yeah, we make choices, but on some other reality, all the choices are being played out. Okay. I like, okay. I, I like them beans. There's a lot of depth there. There's a lot of depth there. Uh, what's your initial reaction to this question, Tina? Does God control everything or some things or nothing? Where would you fall on that scale? Um, I... I don't think God micromanages us. I don't think he gets super involved in, you know, anything that we do. However, um, and kind of going back to the, the prayer and, and um, consciousness thing that we were talking about the first question, I do think that, like, God is more of, like, a force where we're, like, you know, even if it's subliminal like or um, subconscious, we do have these, these things that we ask for in our lives God's like, okay, you want that, you got it, you know. So it's kind of like God provides us with what we focus on, you know, whether it's we realize we're doing it or not. So I think I don't think that God necessarily gets involved in the details, but I think it's more like Ogan said, more like the energy that kind of allows things to happen. And but we're responsible for them. I don't think that God and Satan are you know, sitting there fighting and we have no accountability for anything that we do because it's, you know, either God's making us do it or Jesus or, or Satan's making us do it. You know what I mean? Right. We're not just pawns in some cosmic exactly. uh, good and evil battle. Yeah. Although if it were, I would be a rook, not a pawn. I like, yeah. I like, well, <laughs> exactly. I think I'd be a horse because I like to be able to hop over things and uh, that would be a knight, not a horse. <laughs> and I would definitely be a queen. I think I think knight and horse are interchangeable. <laughs> the knight is riding a horse. He's got a point, Ogan. What what move can the what move is the knight allowed to make, Ogan? The uh, it's the it's like three forward, one across. It's that weird. Boom. Kind of, I know I know my chest, man. Don't look oh, at me that way. Absolutely. On my chest. I don't play it well, but I know it. <laughs> Checkmate, says Ogan. There you go. <laughs> if we were to play chess, you would you would probably checkmate me in like eight moves because with I'm, his horse. 
I haven't played chess since I was t- like 12. So awesome. I can't wait to do it. <laughs> we should live stream it. Oh, no. Oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> We're not up for that level of entertainment. Well, so what do you think? What do you think, Brian? What, what is the... Uh, There'd be some your... whiskey involved. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, that would be now worth live streaming. <laughs> some whiskey chess. All right, so uh, to this question, uh, the tradition... Uh, Grew up in holds a strong, um, strong sense of God's sovereignty. So, in other words, uh, nothing happens that God does not Sanction. not allow, or God allows everything that happens. Either God causes or allows everything to happen. Nothing happens that God isn't aware of or didn't, you know, let happen. If that makes sense. It so, does, but there's there's a different tone to that, Brian. He, he causes it, or he's aware, or he lets it happen. There's a different force to that. So what? Yeah, so which one do you believe? Well, so it's not quite that he makes everything happen, but he is in full control over it all and could stop anything from happening if he wanted. Um, it, but it was always this sort of fine line between and, controlling and allowing, you know? And why is God yeah. a he? And why is Tina letting you call God a he? I'm like shocked by this whole line of gender. Because I grew up in a traditional ch- Christian we're church using too. Traditional and it's just, language, understanding yeah. that God is beyond gender, and that we're happy to refer to her divine self as well. Thank you for the clarification. You can't assume <laughs> these things. You gotta say them out loud. You gotta, you gotta say it. That's true. It's true. So, but in your in your description, you are you are envisioning or basically in implying that God is a being who like you yeah. said allows that's right but but then when does God does God intervene allowing almost implies there's no intervening and then if God's not intervening then what's the what's point What's doing right yeah it's really easy to move to a deistic view because we experience so little discernible, if any, uh, intervention of God today, and what tends to happen is um, the idea that God intervened more in biblical times, right? So we had um, the flood and the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and uh, a virgin birth and walking on water and feeding of the 5,000. So God used to do those kind of more visible things intervention kind of things and you know bending well, the laws of well, physics and all of that but that God has sort of stepped back since then and allowed us to have this record of his or her actions in the world and now we just sort well, of well, wait that. a minute so you're assuming those things actually happened but wait a second Brian are you telling us what you believe or are you telling us what you grew up in the church believe I am telling you what I grew up with Okay. I want to know what you believe right now. Oh, you guys always get so technical and personal. Look, I got really personal in the beginning of the show, which is kind of why I got defensive. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Um, well, I mean, I, I, so I tend to, um, I tend to lean toward uh, that God um, is more hands off and and invests us with the power to act in the world and that we are uh, invited to be active participants in all that happens in the world and we are charged with being agents for peace and reconciliation and healing um, and in such a way that if we don't do it is it may not happen um, so I think you know I think God is sort of handed us the responsibility to act in the world. I'm going to go a step further and say it not, may not happen, but will not happen. I don't, sure. I don't, I don't believe in an interventionist God. We're, we're the interveners. We're the, we're, the, we're the ones who are creating this experience and this reality that we, called, that we call life, that we call, you know, the world. Right. Yeah. So... I, you know, I don't, I don't believe a lot with that. God is, I don't believe God is the is is a, a figure, a being, 
whatever, standing apart from it, not engaging, witnessing. Again, for me, God is the God. God is the God is the presence that allows um, us to be engaging. So again, that that presence of uh, that that energy, the the creation, the the love, the all those things, the very action of them happening is where we find God. So that idea of um, how does how does God, you know, help the person who is downtrodden and destitute is um, our our actions is God helping. Like you're saying, kind of that we are charged with, but not... So, so it's like the God in us is... Is that yeah, what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying the... the, the uh, the energy, the consciousness of love and compassion that causes us to act, that that is the presence of God. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like I, that. I, yeah, I like that too. I think I think uh, I I agree with that. All right, I've solved some problems here tonight. Look at yeah. us. Listen, <laughs> we got a solver here. Um, <laughs> so. So you asked about you know these biblical stories right where we have God um, certainly narratives of God uh, engaging actively in the world. Um, how do you guys read those stories? Is that God sort of stepping in from outside? Are those simply stories that uh, portray from that ancient Near Eastern sort of ancient Hebrew culture that this is what they perceived happening? Uh, and that store it's more a story than actual or what how do you read that all story well I, I think some of it could have actually happened but I don't think it was God intervening I mean you have people today that think that God intervenes you know you were saying that God that you know your church believe your beliefs are that you know God did interfere back then but he doesn't now but there's people that believe he still intervenes now I, I don't think he ever did I think those stories are they could have actually happened they're probably a little bit distorted because that's what storytelling you know what happens you know it gets distorted by whoever's telling the story but did God actually like smite people and you know tell Noah to build an ark no more than he tells us to do things every single day I mean I don't. I don't think that part of it's changed. I think there's there's a to piggyback off what Tina just said. Um, creative storytelling to things that may have happened. So m might there have been a great flood at that time? I believe there was because you know there's a lot of flood tales in many other ancient traditions. So they very well may have been a, a massive flood at the time that many different peoples who were not connected experience so we have these flood stories um, but but at the time in re in telling the story when we have people at a developmental consciousness that believe you know God or gods caused everything therefore we've got to create a story to explain why God is creating this flood mm -hmm. um, and we have to remember that even when when we look at literal versus metaphorical symbolic, interpretation of the Bible stories originally when we go all the way back to the original um, culture of Judaism that these stories were created they were not intended to be read literally back then it's only Christianity really that took a much more literal approach to to these stories so even even in Judaic culture the creation story in the Garden of Eden it's all metaphorical all symbolic they're not taking it literally I think I think you're right, especially on that early uh, creation narrative in Genesis. Though I think I think it's a mixed bag with some of uh, the uh, Hebrew narratives on what they sort of took as literal history and what was just story. I think. So yeah, I don't think right. I don't think I don't think you could entirely say, well, it was all just metaphor. No, I think you're, you're you thought Abraham yeah. is our father, and he you know he went up to sacrifice his son and. And obeyed God, and you know Moses did this, that, and the other thing. So I, I think there's a kernel of historicity that is held in many Jewish readings of it. But I do agree with you that they were also quick to um, 
add to those stories or sometimes to interpret them metaphorically. They weren't as tied to it uh, literally as we are, but I think some right. things they did hold to as history. Could, yeah. could you guys do that, though? I mean, I mean, thinking about that, Abraham, Isaac, I mean, Whoa. you hear a voice in your head telling you to kill your kid, and, and you're telling me that other people wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that's God. He's not completely insane. I mean... Oh, no, I'm, I'm finding a new religion at that point. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, well, a, an easy way for me to do it is to say, neighbor tells you God told told him to kill his child, how would you react? You'd call the authorities. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> pretty pretty much. But he was the authority, so, you know, there was no one to call anybody. Yeah, and I, and I do think there are some things happening there in the story about um, child sacrifice, human sacrifice, and I think Israel is in a culture uh, surrounded by cultures that practice that, and I think that is a story in which Israel is saying our God does not condone human sacrifice um, so I think it's part of that wrestling out what does God want from us or what does our religious faith want from us. And if not blood, human blood sacrifice, what kind of sacrifice? Okay, animals. And then you see a shift away from animals um, eventually to where we are today. Okay. I, I hear you making sense of that story um, to, to, what did we say the other week? To, to make it flow with what you want to believe about God Ooh. because... Because in the story, God tells him to do it. I mean, that's what he said. That's, God that's, told that's him to kicker, do That's the kicker, right? You're right. No, it's, it's not an easy story because he is, he's called faithful, I, think, I believe by Paul in the New Testament, because he obeyed God and was willing to sacrifice his only son. He's but not called faithful. Hey, God, go take a hike. What are you talking about? Me and, me and Isaac are going yeah. toward no mountain. That's not what he did. I, I admire that kind of faith. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't admire that. Whoa. I don't, yeah, I know. I'll get some textbooks. I'm, no, I'm going I, for a second beer. This is getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't admire that kind of faith. That For me, that is not faith. That is that is blind allegiance. <gasps> I like that. Oh, my gosh. It's totally going in the quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I see it. And I, I believe that, again... When we look at this from an evolutionary perspective, where was the consciousness of the people at that time? At that time, it was, you know, God up in the heavens, us down below. So basically, God is saying everything. Great. Are you guys watching uh, uh, Kings and Prophets? Are you watching this on TV? No, it's, what is it? It's on ABC. It's basically uh, uh, dramatization. Oh, yes, that does look interesting. What is biblical story? So it's starting, it's, I think it's centered around David. So the couple episodes that they've shown so far is, you know, uh, David is, is the shepherd and King Saul and the Philistines. So they're like the beginning of, of David's narrative. But there's this interesting piece where um, the prophet Samuel, who, by the way, has mad ninja fighting skills. It's, you've got to watch the show. It's, it's fascinating, uh, the, the spin they put on it. But he basically, this is in the Bible, he basically tells King Saul to go wipe out I think it was the Amalekites or something. And and both Saul's right. wife and one of his sons are like, why are we wiping these people out? They've A, done us nothing wrong. There's no military or strategic advantage to wiping these people out. And Saul is like, well, the prophet said to do it, and the prophet is speaking on behalf of God, so I'm not going to disobey the prophet just in case he's right about what God's saying. And they go wipe out the Amalekites. You know, so it's, it's, it's that idea of, um, is really God saying that, or is right. that the prophet manipulating his power position to to do these things? It's it's a real fascinating narrative that injects maybe uh, doubt even at mm. at that time. Yeah, um, nice. And, and that blind allegiance. I highly recommend it. It's very violent, so you know, not not necessarily for your kids to watch. So that that brings up a good thing, and it's such a day where David Hayward thing. It's so easy for manipulative people to um, manipulate. Well, <laughs> manipulate yes, to manipulate um, faithful people, and that's sad to me. So again, that's that's why ultimately it becomes a question of of 
that personal idea of relationship with intercession with God as you understand God. It has to become a personal thing. That way you're not really led astray. Look look to your ministers and your spiritual leaders for guidance, but don't fall into blind allegiance. And a good minister and a good leader will account for that and will tell their people, hey, just don't say it because I'm saying it. You know, this is this is just my thought. I'm on this journey with you. This is how I see it. Go take it in and yeah, but of course there's a difference between a leader saying something and the God of the universe saying something, right? Yeah, Because a lot of these stories we, where God is commanding something to be done, whether it's sacrifice Isaac, wipe out the Amalekites, um, whatever, it's not like, well, here's an idea, guys. Think about this. You may want to you know, talk it over. No, it's do this and live or don't do it and pay. But then we go back to, is God a puppet master? You know, I mean, would God really be that micromanaging about what we're doing? Well, if we believe it, we'll. that's what we'll hear. It's yeah. what we believe. Yeah, and micromanaging versus, you know, commanding, requiring. God could command and still allow you to make a choice, which it seems if you're going to make a command and want someone to respond, honestly, they would have to have a free choice to do it or not do it. If you were controlling whether they did it or not, the whole thing seems like a sham. Well, it seems like a sham anyhow, because if you don't do what he says, then you get punished. I mean, Ooh, this right? Is, so this is, why I, this is why I think the whole God in control commanding us is no longer... A, That's why you're opting out. ...a viable option. Yeah, I'm, opt, I'm opting out of that scenario. <laughs> opting out. I'm up to know that scenario, and trust me, I'm not being punished. <laughs> Things are going well for me. All right, I'm going to shift us to number three, which says, so we've talked about what does God control. Number, our next question asks, what does God know? Does uh, A classical doctrine of God or belief about God is he's omniscient. In other words, God knows everything. Mm -hmm. So do you think God knows everything? Does he know some things, a few things? Does God know the future, and can God learn things? So here's, again, my shift in perspective. It's not that God knows everything. It's God is all knowledge. So just like instead of saying God loves us, God is all love. Instead of God knowing everything, God is all the, the knowledge that we could acquire, come up with, think of beyond us. And I have silenced the crowd. So God is not, yeah. So God is the knowledge itself. So I mean, so yes, I get you don't have you don't hold to a classical sort of personal view of God, where He is a not being who has, who has feelings, knowledge, desires, goals, plans. So nope. that makes this question, you know, sort of uh, well, you gave the right answer uh, according to your view, of course. Um, uh, but but here's but here's what's relevant about that because then if God is all knowledge. And then we are that ever-present connection, expression um, of God. God is, you know, the divine, um, inherent divinity of who we are. Then that means that we too have access to that knowledge. So when we come up to a situation where we're not clear about what to do or where to go, you know, we we get still and and turn to our inner, what we call in unity, the Christ consciousness, our inner divinity within, um, and and knowing that what's ours to do, we will intuit because we mm. we also have connection access to the fullness of the knowledge. Do you ever see that in your circles, Ogan, being um, used or? Uh, you know, like, well, my Christ consciousness told me to do this, so you know, you, oh, can't, yeah, really, you oh, can't really question it. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I love it when other people. I love it when people say to other people, you know, here's here's what God's telling me to tell you. Like, right. You know, that's that's another whole thing, and I'm like, no, nobody. God's not telling you what to tell me. It's then crazy. we have to go into the whole the world yeah. is a mirror thing. Yeah, that's it just tends you to be personal, that. right? And in, in your view, in your view, it's it's almost always personal. Like you gain insights mm -hmm. for for you 
that you can sort of grab onto, live into, etc. But when it comes to other people, I think it seems you'd be a more step removed, like, hey, friend, have you considered, but not the level of, well, God told me to tell you X. Is that true? Yeah, because I would say I would, I mean, I, I'm, I'm staying away more and more from the have you considered. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling, I always tell people, go meditate on it. I mean, yeah. remember what Jesus said. Go no, I mean, that's not what you tell me when I come to you with stuff. You're different. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> I'm talking about You're my talking about your the people you minister to. My ministerial capacity. You you and I are friends on a different level. So. Friends on different levels get different. But but, uh, but but let's be clear, Tina. Just today when we were talking, and I said that's my two cents worth. Take it take it for however you want to use it. Yeah. Yep. So again. But now you gone made me forget what I was gonna say, and it was good too, man. Well, I mean, I think it's always helpful to <laughs> to give that sort when you're giving someone uh, an insight that you might have, or an encouragement for them to think about something, to give space for them to own it. Yes. And I think when we bring in the God language, whether we have a, a unity sort of uh, internal um, div- divinity view or sort of a more traditionally classic. Um, God is external being telling us something. We always want to be careful before we say, "Well, God told me you need to do X or Y," because it's just been abused so many times, and I think exactly. we've all ex- we've all experienced it. That's oh, well, and I remember, also, I remember what I was going to say. Wait, shh, before I forget it again, okay. um, oh. <laughs> I think I think in many ways this is what Jesus was alluding to when he said that verse about you know go into the clo- go into your closet and close your door and 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 pray to your Father in secret. Again, it's between it's between you and God. It's it it is that personal right. um, um, connection and not needing an intercessor on your behalf. Well, and and yeah. and to Brian's point, like if if you're like God told me to tell you to do this, the person's not taking ownership for it. You know, they're not taking responsibility for the decision they're making. They're like, oh, God said, you know, it, I don't know. To to me, it's it's about ownership of the decisions you make at that point. Then, you know. Like if somebody else is saying, God told me to tell you to do this, you're you're just going to blindly do it yes, without owning it and being responsible for it and feeling good about the fact that it's your decision. I think you're right. It's easy to sort of abdicate responsibility for decisions or not think them through. And, and I, you know, I get that that's appealing sometimes because life is difficult and we have to make hard choices and we want, we want an insight that we can trust. And so... Sometimes it is tempting to, if someone says, well, God told me you should do X, to just so do that. If it's easier. It feels like a way out. Right. It, it does. Exactly. And, and, but this ties back into the very first question we were talking about, our spiritual practices. If we, in, you know, when things are good, when things are bad, when things are happy, when things are sad, if we steep ourselves in our practices and get accustomed to what it feels like, to to have hear that that personal connection to it, what our you know divine nature is saying to us, you know then then we will know we will know when the situations arise how to how to um, how to approach them. I always tell I always tell people like spiritual practice is not just for when things are going well or just when things are going bad. You know we we pra- what do we practice for like Musicians don't practice at the concert. They they practice at the times between the concerts so that when it's time to be on stage, they know what they're doing. So so in the times exactly. of our lives between, you know, the disasters or between the, the misery or whatever, that's when we steep ourselves in the practice so that when we're called up to these situations, we're we're ready, we're prepared. We don't we don't freak out, we don't panic, we don't think we've been abandoned by God. It's like, you know, the presence of God is here in me as me through me just as it was when everything was going well. I like that uh, idea about, you know, the, the concert and the practice and I just came from baseball practice, uh, little league practice with my son before the show and that's a game about practice, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. baseball, you can you just practice 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 to not yeah. quote Alan Iverson. Practice. Um Nice. talking about practice uh, but you know the more and the more you practice as you said you you can just step into when the game happens and the game is happening 
your body is so tuned to that situation that you begin to have natural instincts to perform at your best level. Uh, but I would say with that example that this show is the opposite of that. We don't do any practice. We just show up and play. <laughs> and so and it shows. <laughs> and it shows. <laughs> what? It shows. It shows that we're naturals. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, let's keep calling ourselves that. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Alan Iverson, recent inductee into the Basketball Hall of Fame. You is go he through. really? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. How is that relevant right now? He brought Ooh. up Alan Iverson. He just George, yeah, Georgetown grad or Georgetown player, and then 76ers, a terrific yeah. career with the Sixers. Never he won a ring, but played for Denver for a while. Yep. Played for my Detroit Pistons for a while. I mean, oh, got a lot about the Pistons. I know he was a short. It didn't go well. No, it did. No, it's <laughs> the end of his career, and it did not go well. Yeah, you got to know when to quit. Um, but yeah, him, um, Shaquille O'Neal, um, Yao Ming, who I'm not, I don't think he needed to be in the Wait, hall. Wait, how did Yao get invited? He That's what everybody years in the league? I, I don't know why he I missed did. that one. Um, I missed that one. Yeah. All right, so for our final topic, the French philosopher Denis or Denis Diderot said that we swallow greedily any lie that flatters us but we sip only little by little at a truth we find bitter, or a beer perhaps we find bitter. Mm. Well, you know, I would agree with you except for the fact. Here's, here's, here's how I have managed to avoid this. I have a friend. Her name is Tina. And Tina will not allow me to, to swallow any lie that flatters me. Tina keeps me grounded. It's a compliment I'm sending you. Tina, there are a couple, there are a handful of people in my life who, like I like to say, uh, uh, prevent me from drinking my own Kool-Aid, and 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 Tina is one of those people. She keeps me humble by reminding me if I ever ever seem that I am buying into my own hype, she like shoots me down faster than I can get off the aircraft. It, car. Is, it is such a big task, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is, <laughs> never-ending. Falling. There, there it is. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know though. I, I, like I was fascinated by this question because I really I don't yeah. know why that is. Because we don't we don't want to we don't want to hear we don't want to hear truths that um, make us realize we don't know what we're doing. We we, well, we, don't. we, we generally we generally want to think that we're the best decision makers for our own lives and that what we're doing is okay and what we're doing is good, especially if it's, you know, there's popular opinion and we're well-loved and, uh, you know, people put us up on a pedestal. You know, us ministers encounter this all the time. It's, you know, so we got we to gotta not buy into that. We not got to not buy into that hype. And it's not so much that it's a lie that flatters us as it is, um, a reinforcing of maybe the good things we think about ourselves, but that reinforcement can easily spin out of control, and then you end up like, you know, what's his name, Creflo Dollar, who's trying to get his congregants to buy him an airplane. You remember this, remember this <laughs> yeah, guy? Yeah, exactly. Oh my you know, goodness. Easily spin out. That's how you have, you know, the Jimmy Saggarts and the Jim Bakers of the world, where it just gets crazy. Well, do do you think it's a comfort zone thing too? Like, you, you know, I don't know. Way to follow through with that thought. Yeah, I had it. I had so, it like five so minutes I've, ago. All right. So I've got a related quote uh, from Jay Hollis, who says it takes a strong sense of self and no little courage to be able to examine and take responsibility for our darker selves. Nice. Yes, love it. And I think that's related because I, I yeah maybe that's it that you exploring that darker side is just really hard. And we don't we don't we don't we don't like we don't like to do it. We don't like to face the uh, we want to we want to hide the dark sides. That's why the stuff that's why all that stuff is in the dark because right. we don't want to we don't want to look at it. We don't want to face it. It's it's painful to embark on that uh, journey of healing and reconciliation with ourselves. And with our past, and it's it's better to to just focus on at least it feels better to just focus on the things that are going well and the things that other people like about us because then they reinforce that we like right. it about. Tell ourselves. me more about my strengths. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, well, right. That that's what we want to talk about. Yeah. It's harder to talk about what are the things where I'm not doing well or where yeah. I. And we all know that the ultimate irony is that we're not going to be the highest and best version of ourselves until we shine some light in the dark corners, clean up the cobwebs, heal the wounded parts of ourselves, address you know the the egoic distractions of ourselves. Stop. Yeah. Stop freebasing on our own Kool Aid powder and just you know. Okay, so bringing it back, that's exactly where I was going with it. It's uncomfortable to do all that stuff. So we, it's comfortable to sit in our comfort zones and, and just hear, whether it's a lie or truth, it, it feels better to hear the good stuff. So my saying is that uh, comfort zone, and this is not my original saying, comfort zone, really fun place to be, but nothing ever goes there. That so doesn't even make sense. It it does make sense. In order to grow, you have to. Right? <laughs> does that make sense of, to you? In order to grow, you have to get out of your comfort zone, and no one's comfortable with digging into the dark recesses of their psyche and their ego and taking care of all that stuff. But you gotta do it in order to be a whole, complete, you know, person. You know, classic, classic young philosophy. You you gotta take the mask off. True. And I think, I mean, in your experience, uh, how does that happen for you? Is it, I think for me, lots, it's lots, level, lots it requires it requires other people. Exactly. Right? We does. can only get so far on that journey uh, by self-analysis. I, I agree. Okay. Lots and lots of help from other people, including professionals. I've I've kept quite quite a handful of therapists gainfully employed. Yeah. You know, and it's it's I I always recommend to people get have have get yourself a good therapist, even if you and don't. It's not an un, it's it's a respectable needed thing for just about every person, if we're honest. And yep. you know, I think for some of us, we come from traditions where we think, oh, if, if you're going to therapy, that's a sign that a there's really something wrong with you, right? Or yes, yeah, a weakness. But they shouldn't have that. We shouldn't have that. Uh, connotation with it at all. But I think there is so uh, there is something wrong with you from the perspective of if you were avoiding working uh, on your dark stuff. Yeah, there is something wrong with you because then you're not going to self-actualize. Good, good. You know? So, I yeah, like go, go to therapists. And and again, when you find yourself in positions of like high visibility or, you know, people throwing a lot of of praise and adulation at you, to be able to keep yourself humble and grounded, get yourself some friends like Tina who don't let you, you know, <clears throat> run away with your own elevated sense of yourself. Um, I should just be a professional accountability friend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Job title. Show title. That's what we should call the nice episode. Professional accountability friend. <laughs> no, but I hear what you're saying. I know a lot of therapists that they have they have to go to a therapist just to balance out with you know, everything that they absorb all day long. Yeah. I'm Every sure you therapist. guys are the same way. Yeah. I always ask, I've never been with a therapist that I don't ask, do you, are you in therapy yourself? Or do you have a therapist, even if it's not in a professional context, at least are you in that place of of always looking at your own stuff as well? It's an it's an ongoing it's an ongoing journey. Yeah. And and same thing with our uh, spiritual beliefs and theology. How often do we take a look at questioning them? Like, you know, do I do I just continue believing the same thing I've believed for the last 20, 30 years? Or am I going to really do some self-examination to see, do I still really believe this concept about God or this idea that I've held about God? Why do I keep holding on to this if I'm, you know, struggling with it? Uh, you know, I'm not saying abandon it, but I'm saying, do we take the time to do that level of self-examination as well? I think that's right, and I think I'm glad you brought it there because that's sort of what was in my mind with this question to begin with. Was I think theologically, it's also easy for us to ignore truths that seem difficult. In other words, that sort of upend a view we had constructed of the world. So if you know, if your view is that God created the world in six 24-hour days 6,000 years ago, and then uh, some truths come into your periphery or into your awareness that uh, the Earth is actually 
billions of years old and that uh, likely readings of early Genesis are poetic and metaphorical, that that's difficult and I see why people resist that because it involves a lot of changing of paradigms and that and we resist that naturally. Yeah. I keep I'm I'm fairly certain in a few years I keep hanging around Brian. I'm gonna bring him over to the dark side where I am. Whoa, stay tuned. Uh, that'll be I'm episode, nine, that'll be episode nine thousand. He's starting to take some time. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> Just a teaser, so you know. He's starting to take some tentative steps, but you know, I'm I'm gonna pull him over eventually. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll see. We will see. Well, it looks like we've hit our hour mark. Great discussion tonight, friends. Thanks all who tuned in live, and thanks for those who are tuning in on iTunes and SoundCloud and other podcasting uh, possibilities. Please connect and spread the word about our show on social media. We'd love it if you do that. Don't forget that you can indeed listen anytime uh, on iTunes and those other venues. If you want to find an, a local pub theology gathering with some live people, you can sit around a table, drink beer, and talk like we're talking here. Go to pubtheology.com. And thanks again to our sponsor, Craft Beer Cellar. Visit Craft Beer Cellar for a location near you and keep listening and keep commenting, and you might just win some free beer from Craft Beer Cellar. And we are out. See you later.